The next few weeks is all about wisdom, about how to live well and how to live for God. Um, and the reason I think that is I suspect we've got a little bit of a problem. If you've got a service sheet today, why don't you turn to the back and uh, there's a little survey there about busyness. What do you think about busyness? Sorry, the second last page. Do you have a busyness problem? I'm going to give you one minute to, uh, to look at that survey and to decide on your answers and then we'll see if you passed or failed. That's not true. Have a quick look. So for those listening at home or online, the questions are, do you regularly work 30 minutes a day longer than your contracted hours? Do you check work emails and phone messages at home? Has anybody ever said to you, I don't want to trouble you because I know how busy you are? Do your family or friends complain about not getting enough time with you? If tomorrow evening was unexpectedly freed up, would you use it to work or to do a household chore? Do you often feel tired during the day or do you find your neck and shoulders aching? Do you often exceed the speed limit while driving? Do you make use of any flexible working arrangements offered by your employer? Do you pray regularly with your children? Do you have enough time to pray? Do you have a hobby in which you are actively involved? Do you eat together as a family or a household at least once a day? Interesting questions, aren't they? Uh, if you answered uh, questions 1 to 7, mainly yeses, and then questions 8 to 12, mainly noes, uh, then you might have a business problem, um, like me. <laughs> like me. Um, I realized I had a business problem when people started to ask, how are you going? And my default answer was, I'm busy. Isn't that interesting? Um, any of the questions that stood out to you, any of the questions on this survey that seemed to be the thing that triggered you? The first one, working longer than your contracted hours, okay. Anyone else? Number two, okay. Yeah, checking work emails and phone messages at home. It seems to bleed over into daytime, nighttime, morning time. Anyone else? I found question three, you know, that I don't want to trouble you because you're busy. Um, as your pastor, I, I hope I don't give you that impression. Um, Sunday mornings, I want to be here for you. Uh, but if we can't fit your discussion into Sunday morning... Do take me up on that offer of a coffee or come and meet me in the office and we'll make time to talk through what you want to talk about. Um, others that you found uh, telling, um, does anybody find themselves driving quickly? Um, I heard, I, I read a statistic that commuters are more stressed than fighter pilots. It may or may not be true, but it's a good statistic. Um, what about question 10? Do you have enough time to pray? Isn't that interesting? And then, of course... The, uh, the email and the messages. Um, I think we're living in the middle of a busyness epidemic, and there's lots of evidence for you and, uh, for it, and I'm going to show you some in just a moment. But if I'm right about the busyness epidemic, then our faith is actually in danger of being swept away in the busyness epidemic, um, or at least relegated to a place of little importance with so many other um, busy and important activities clamoring for our attention. And it's January, and so it's a great time to pause and reflect and reset our priorities for the year. Um, like I said before, we do this every January, our 21 days of focus, um, setting up our year and setting up our faith journey so that nothing gets in the way of the most important relationship that we have. And we're calling this year's series Restoring Rhythm. Um, it's all about recapturing a healthy pattern of work and rest and busyness so that we can flourish in our faith. So why don't we pray that God would use these 21 days to restore our rhythm as we seek Him. Our Heavenly Father, we long to honor You with our lives, 
but life can be very demanding, uh, will you use these three weeks to restore rhythm in our lives, to restore healthy patterns of work and rest as we seek to put our faith in Jesus first in all things? And we pray this in his name. Amen. Uh, The busyness epidemic. What is making us so busy? Um, I've got a few little categories here. Number one is work. A Gallup poll from uh, 2014 estimated that the average full-time worker in the United States works 47 hours a week. That's one of the highest numbers uh, in the world, 47 hours a week. I think for many of us, that number is probably on the low side of what we actually work. Uh, As Americans, we rarely take vacations. Apparently, we only use 54% of our paid leave, if we even have it. Uh, We eat at our desks. Uh, We take very few breaks during the day. Uh, Maybe we feel busy because technology has meant more productivity. Uh, According to a survey by the U.S., um, or or data by the U.S. Bureau of Labor um, Statistics, uh, since 1950, the productivity of the average American has increased 430% since 1950. What we get through in a week, 430% more than in 1950. Um, if I can make a confession, I feel a little bit responsible for this. Um, I was a school teacher before I went into ministry, 1998 to 2007. And during those 10 years, I helped introduce laptops for teachers. Um, I was like the, you know, the bringer of this wonderful technology. Look, with this, you don't, need the, uh, you don't need the typing pool to type your words. With this, you don't need the secretaries to type your reports. You can do it all yourself. <laughs> I was a prophet of doom, I think. You can get so much more done this way, I taught everybody. And it's true, you do. And now we expect everybody to do so much more. Productivity is up, but not the hours or the pay. Uh, It's a bit like Exodus 5, when uh, Pharaoh told the Israelites to keep making bricks, but to go and find their own straw. Do more, do more, do more. Uh, Of course, with new technology, work spills over into home. Um, We're always connectable or contactable now, aren't we? Um, And some of us feel an obligation to respond out of hours. Uh, we have more ways of being contacted than we ever did before. Um, once upon a time in the olden days, as my kids used to uh, say to me, we, we used to have letters. Do you remember letters? Snail mail, we call them now, because they're so slow. We didn't have time to wait for snail mail. Uh, we had those telephones that were connected to the wall by a little curly cord, and only one person could talk on them at a time. Do you remember that? If you had to share with your brothers and sisters, it was terrible. Does anybody still have their home phone connected? A couple of hands. There you go. Not many of us. And of course, with the advent of the smartphone, the power of our office computers now fits in our pocket. And for most of us, that little device is the tool that we use to navigate dozens and dozens of tasks per day. Um, We used to make telephone calls, but apparently nobody's got time for that anymore. So we text instead. And um, of course, the, uh, the, the way that the etiquette for text is, you return as soon as you can, RSVP, ASAP. Um, you're meant to be able to text at any hour of the night, so you text at 9 p.m. Oh, well, it's only a text. I can, I can respond. That'll be okay. And you find yourself responding, and so instant messaging is kind of a curse as well as a blessing. What about social media? Uh, I first worked on a version of this talk back in 2014, um, back when social media was relatively new, um, and it was still actually social. It was aimed at connecting you with your friends. And so social media was um, cat videos and pictures of what your friends ate for breakfast. Um, And of course that has changed as social media brands have monetized their products. Uh, You might still find your friends on social media, but more and more social media and the algorithm, it's become a place for micro-entertainment. 
micro-entertainment, we're going to call it. So we scroll from image to image and short video to short video. In fact, even that's changed this year. Um, all the focus is on short video. Um, you might look at tweets, and you have these thousands of moments of micro-entertainment that last one second, two seconds, five seconds. And so we skim over life. We skim and we scroll, but we rarely go deep. Um, and it's designed to be addictive. That's how the designers of social media have made it. Um, John Mark Comer has a wonderful book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, he's a Portland, Oregon uh, pastor up there. Um, he says that scrolling through social media is like somebody putting a quarter into a slot machine in the casino. Um, you're hoping to win a prize. Uh, each quarter doesn't feel like much on, it, on its own, and so it's easy to put in another one. Uh, but these quarters add up, and they steal our time and our attention. And that's the way it is with scrolling, isn't it? I'll just scroll one more. Five minutes are gone, 10 minutes are gone. Apparently, the average iPhone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day. 2,617. Uh, on average, across the globe, we spend two hours and 27 minutes per day on social media. Uh, for millennials, they think that's probably actually about half of what they spend. There's growing scientific evidence that our mobile phone use creates the same dopamine reaction as uh, that uh, our brains, sorry, the same dopamine reaction in our brains that addicts get when uh, they put another coin in the slot machine uh, or they, when they take a hit of heroin uh, or whatever the addiction is. Um, and so Dr. Anna Lemke, who's a, a, she's the professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Stanford, uh, she says, we're seeing a huge explosion in the numbers of people struggling with minor addictions, uh, whether it's watching TikTok or scrolling Instagram, or swiping through Tinder, or binging on porn, or online gambling, or e-shopping. She says it's having an, an effect on our happiness as well. According to a World Happiness Report, people in high-income countries have become more unhappy over the last decade or so. Uh, we've forgotten how to be alone with our thoughts. Uh, we've forgotten how to be alone with our thoughts because Dr. Lemke uh, puts it like this. She says, we're forever interrupting ourselves. Um, we're taking uh, little interruptions for a quick digital hit. I'll just touch my phone. I'll just have a quick look. And it means we rarely concentrate on taxing tasks for long, uh, for long enough to get into a creative flow. Interesting, huh? That distractedness also has an effect on our relationships in real life. Um, despite all our connectedness, we feel more disconnected than ever. Um, we are at a restaurant recently, and there was a family sitting near us, and... Um, Everybody at the table was looking down at their device. Nobody was in the moment. Um, there was a teenage kid who had earbuds in, because, you know, you wouldn't want to talk to your parents. I read a British statistic. Uh, it's a few years old now. It said that parents spend more time checking their email than they do playing with their kids. And that was a few years ago. I wonder if it's even worse now. Um, I've seen this in my house. So easy to be engaged with your phone, even if you're doing something like watching television. In the good old days, you're like, you know, you should tell people you shouldn't even be watching television. Well, now it's like, can you stop playing on your phone and just watch the television? Concentrate on one thing. <laughs> Who would have thought we would ever say that? So I've got a few books that I'm going to recommend, and, and uh, I'll tell you later how you can get the recommendations. But Kevin DeYoung uh, has a wonderful book called Crazy Busy. Uh, Pastor Kevin DeYoung, he says, how many of us feel this strange mix of busyness and lifelessness? We're always engaged with our thumbs, but rarely engaged with our thoughts. We keep downloading information, but we rarely get down into the depths of our hearts. Our busyness has encroached on our spare time too. 
and our leisure time. Um, back in Australia, it was a bit of a, a status symbol on mum's cars to, to have a sticker that said mum's taxi. Is that ever a thing here? Apparently not. Maybe, maybe. Um, and so if you have kids, leisure time is now often taken up by activities that we need to run between. There's soccer and dance lessons and flute lessons and there's kids club at church and these are all good things to do. But when do we slow down and when do our kids slow down? I'm also guilty of this one on my day off. Um, I aim to get some exercise in at the gym and I give my gardens a tidy up at home and I love to find some time to read or listen to a podcast and I've also got a regular pickleball game that I have to get to. And uh, so all of my other plans have to fill in, uh, fit in with that. And sitting down and resting on my day off, it's just not an option. I'm way too busy for that. There are too many things to achieve, far too much to fit into life. Um, and I kind of look forward, I'm like, maybe one day when I'm retired. Um, retired people, is it less busy now than it was before? <laughs> no, I'm seeing shakes of the heads. Uh, and this busy lifestyle can catch up when we get sick. Um, that is if you have time for sickness. Um, I had a cold once, and uh, the doctor told me to take a week off work, and I think I laughed out aloud. Um, I, I think I literally went to the pharmacy next door and picked up some cold and flu medicine, um, because that's what we do. Um, the cold and flu medicine in Australia, um, Codril, um, it's got codeine in it. Um, it's, their motto is soldier on, um, with Codril, soldier on. That was the mantra I grew up with, soldier on. Who's going to do my job if I'm not there? Um, so lots of us, we take multivitamins um, because we know that we're not going to get enough sleep and we don't get good enough nutrition, so we try to supplement it in a different way. Um, talking of sleep, uh, what's the average amount of sleep that we're meant to have as humans? We need to really have eight hours. That's what the average adult needs is eight hours. On average, we get seven, and plenty of us get even less. Um, I'm guilty of this one too. You know, I think to fit everything in, I'm going to stay up later or I'm going to wake up earlier, and I'll just fit more hours in my life. I'll fit more stuff in my life. And of course, there are times when you can't control um, your sleep. There's lots of young mums and dads who really, there's no option about what happens with the kids during those three or four years when you have babies around. Um, maybe for grandparents in the room, maybe the best gift you can give your kids if they've got young babies is time to have a nap. Just take them for a couple of hours, say, why don't you just get a nap and I'll look after the kids. Um, did you know that sleep deprivation has real effects? Um, sleep deficit, a regular sleep deficit can affect our mood uh, and our memory and our health. Um, sleep deprivation is linked to greater risk for depression, anxiety, obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, and dementia. That's all because of not enough sleep. Um, the National uh, Safety Council tells us that if you drive your car after being awake for 20 hours, it has the same effect on your cognition as if you are, um, had a 0.08 blood alcohol content. Isn't that interest? The same as the US limit. So if you are awake for 20 hours and drive your car, it's like drunk driving. And worst of all, the busyness epidemic means that most of us, or many of us, are too busy for Jesus. Well, that's the excuse we make. Um, we might find ourselves saying, I can just never find the time to pray. I can never find the time to read my Bible. Um, and sometimes you think the answer is to wake up an hour early, wake up at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. like the great saints did so you can put three hours of Bible and prayer into your life. Has anybody ever tried that? Some of you are wired that way. Actually, I'm a little bit impressed. I'm not wired that way. Um, I managed it one year for about eight months. It was great, actually. I woke up at 6 o'clock um, and I had 45 minutes in the Bible 
and then my schedule changed and I had to catch a different train and it was too difficult. Um, I think if I tried it now to reduce my sleep by another hour, um, all that would end up would be I'd be more exhausted than I already am. Uh, we need to find a way to do less of the unimportant things so that we can focus on what really matters. Less of the unimportant things so we can focus on really ma- what really matters. And I'm going to say more about that in the next couple of weeks of talk. But um, giving up sleep is not the answer. God didn't make us to miss sleep. Um, sleep is actually a gift of God. It's not unrighteous to sleep. Um, but we also need Jesus in our life. How do we fit it all in? Um, I put this quote from John Ortberg on the back of your handout. It really hit home to me. He says in his, his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, he says, for many of us, the danger is not that we'll renounce our faith. It's that we'll become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we'll settle for a mediocre version of it. We'll just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Similar to what the other guy said, wasn't it? Skimming over the top and rarely going deep. I'm kind of chilling that idea that we would settle for a mediocre mediocre version of our faith, that we'd let ourselves be pulled around by the busyness and the activity of, of, of our lives thinking, well, one day I'll have time for Jesus. One day I'll have time for Jesus. One, one day when things aren't so busy, I'll make time for Jesus. Or perhaps when I retire, I'll have more time for Jesus. And then I'll take him seriously. Um, retired friends, is that how it works? All of a sudden you have time for everything you ever wanted to do? So we're living in the middle of a busyness epidemic. We're busy at work, we're busy at home, we're busy in our leisure time, we're too busy to be sick, we're too busy for our relationships, and we're too busy for Jesus. So what are we going to do about it? That's what we're going to do over the next three weeks. What are we going to do about it? Um, I've been thinking over this idea pretty seriously for the last six months, um, and actually really for about 10 years if I think back to the first time I worked on these talks in 2014, but I can tell you that the tidal pull of busyness has not gotten less. It's not gotten weaker. It's actually got stronger, trying to pull us along in the tide of busyness. And the more I notice my busyness, the more I realize I have a problem. What about you? I'm not sure. And I have to be honest with you, I'm I'm still working on this myself. I made some changes in the last 12 months that have been really impactful, but I haven't come to the point of managing my busyness completely just yet, managing my busyness and my work and my rest. I'm still learning about this, and I hope we do this journey as a church. hope you want to come on this learning journey. Because in Jesus, we have a teacher who promises us rest. Um, This January could be the beginning of that rest as we restore rhythms, um, restore to our lives sustainable and life-giving rhythms. Uh, You see, Jesus doesn't want to be a burden to our life. Um, He doesn't want religion to be a burden to our lives. Um, Jesus came to give us life and to give us life to the full, John 10.10. Jesus can teach us a way to live in this world that makes sense, um, that brings happiness, and that brings blessedness despite our circumstances. In Matthew 11, 28 to 30, which is on your handout, Jesus says famously, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you see what Jesus says in verse 29? He says, learn from me. Learn from me. If we want to find rest, we have to look to Jesus. We have to look to his teachings. We need to look at his life and his lifestyle. 
And we need to recognize that he's not just the, the truth, but he's also the way and he's the life. So think about it. Jesus asked his disciples literally to follow him, to, to literally walk in his footsteps and to learn from him, to observe the way that he lived in the world, the way that he had time for the people in front of him, the way that he had compassion on the sick and the marginalized. He, he asked them to listen to his teachings as he brought it to bear in everyday situations. Jesus maps out a way for us to walk in the world, um, even to the point of taking up our cross daily to follow him wherever he leads. Now, for many of us, what Jesus asks is too much. You know, we want to follow Jesus when it's convenient, but, you know, when it doesn't cost too much, when it doesn't interfere with our job or our leisure time or our thought life. But when we follow Jesus like that, with one eye on Jesus and one eye on the world, we'll never learn from him fully. We'll always find ourselves unsatisfied. Um, I love the scripture in Matthew 9.36 where it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I think we're just like the crowds in Jesus' day. I think we're harassed and helpless because we've been harassed by the busyness that the world says is so important. It glorifies it. And we need a shepherd. We need somebody that we can follow, somebody who can save us from the confusion and panic, somebody who can lead us into green pastures, somebody who can give us true rest. So listen again to what Jesus promises. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Commentator F. Dale Bruner says about this passage, um, he says, A yoke is a work instrument. And that's when Jesus offers a yoke. He offers what we might think Um, tired workers need the least, right? We think that tired workers need a mattress or a vacation. But Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give to the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities. Instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. Jesus says that obedience to his Sermon on the Mount will develop in us a balance and a way of carrying life that uh, that will give us more rest than the way that we've been living. Don't you love that? Jesus offers us equipment to lighten our load. And not just truth, but a way and a life that will lead to true fulfillment. So we need to ask, are we living the life Jesus intended for us? Are we living life to the full right now? And if not, then we need to stop and ask ourselves, what needs to change? Um, I love that it's January. There's something about the start of the year that gives us a moment to pause um, from the relentless tidal pull of life that happens for the rest of the year. And these next 21 days, they're a chance to stop and to pray and to think and to plan. It's a chance for us as a church to spur one another on to a life of balance and rhythm. I produced a short um, devotional guide. It's it's not a typical one. It's got some really um, pointy questions in it. I've got paper copies and I put them on the email. You can download them as well. I want to go with each of the weeks of talks Work on them with your family, work on them with a friend, pray over them, pray over the year, and pray how you can follow Jesus in 2023. Um, That's my prayer for us this series, that we would live lives to the full in Jesus. Will you join me in that prayer? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you offer rest. Jesus, you offer us rest in the middle of all of the busyness of life. Help us to pause as a church and to pause as individuals. And to ask the question, are we living life to the full? Heavenly Father, 
Show us the truth. Open our eyes. Open our hearts. Give us that moment to slow down. And we pray, Father, you'd bring balance into our lives. You would restore rhythm so that we can live lives that honor you and live lives that are wonderful and enjoyable and faith-filled as we live with our families in this world to the glory of Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.